All right. Well, welcome to Life Point. My name is Alex Filardi. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Uh, before we get into it, in fact, actually, I'll let you know where we're at. We're going to be in Judges chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and start uh, making your way to the book of Judges, the Old Testament, chapter 13. As you're getting there, uh, I want to say this. I want to encourage you to sign up for our couples night on March 25th. If we can put that on the screen, March 25th, we are having a couple's night. It's only $25. I mean, it doesn't really get any better than that. $25 for a meal, a free babysitter. I mean, I don't know that you can get that anywhere. You know, I was telling my wife, I was telling Leah yesterday, I said, most couples wait until it's too late to invest in their marriage. And so don't be like the average couple, okay? So this is March 25th. It's $25. Uh, I mean, we cannot make it any cheaper than that for, for a meal and free babysitter. And so I would really want to encourage you to do that. In fact, someone from the church said that um, they're, giving a, uh, they're donating a free night to a couple that shows up that, that night at, um, at a five-star hotel in Dallas. Uh, Lee and I, same person, gifted that to us about three, four years ago. And it's just an incredible time to connect and to, I really believe that sometimes it's, it's, um, it's healthy to, um, to connect with your spouse, um, to get away from the kids, from the stress of, of life. And so uh, if for nothing else, Sign up, maybe a chance to, um, to, to get a five-star hotel on the water in Dallas one night. And so really want to encourage you to do that. How do you sign up? Go to our website, life1fc.com, uh, and then you can uh, find, uh, yeah, if you want more details, you can talk to me or you can talk to Pastor Nicholas. All right, so Judges 13, that's where you're at. I'm super excited about this new teaching series that we're doing today. Uh, we're going to be talking about Samson. Everybody say Samson. So Samson is the Old Testament character. Uh, and so we're going to be in Judges for four weeks. And one of the reasons why I'm so excited is because there is potential for supernatural greatness in your life. God is capable, more than capable, of raising up spiritual leaders that will have a tremendous impact in this world. And I really believe with all of my heart that if you say, you know what, I'm going to commit myself to the Lord, I really believe with all of my heart that God will do some extraordinary things through you, in you, and for you. Now, throughout history, there's always been a shortage, a lack of godly people. Okay, if you're familiar with Ezekiel 22:30, you know what I'm talking about. Probably one of the most tragic verses in all of the Bible. Because God looks at the state of humanity. He looks at actually, to be specific, he looks at his people, the Israelites, and he says, I looked for a man to build the wall, to stand in the gap. I, I, looked, I looked for a person, I looked for an individual to stand in the gap. And if you know the verse, Ezekiel 22, verse 30, do you know the end of it? He says, but I found how many? None. And if God was speaking that verse over our lives today, perhaps he would say something like this. I'm looking for a man 
or a woman of integrity. Perhaps God would say, I'm looking for a person of courage. I'm looking for someone who will stand up for those who can't stand for themselves. I'm looking for someone to impart spiritual truth to the next generation. Here at LifePoint, we, we call them the now generation. I believe if, if God was to speak this verse over our lives today, I believe that he would, he would try to get your attention and he'd try to shake you up a little bit and he would say, I'm looking for someone that's willing to do something for on my behalf, for me, not for me, but on my behalf. A while back, there was a man named Henry Varley who said to D.L. Moody, one of the greatest evangelists of modern times, he said this. Let's put it on the screen. He said, the world has yet to see what God can do through one man whose heart is totally surrendered unto him. The world has yet to see what God can do through an individual, through a man, and a woman whose heart is fully devoted, fully surrendered unto God. And so if you're here today and you're like, I want to be that person. Like, sign me up. Put my name at the top. Like, if God, if he was really saying, like, I'm looking for a person of integrity. I'm looking for a woman of honor. I'm looking for someone with a little bit of courage, a little bit of faithfulness. Pastor Alex, put my name at the top. I, I want to sign up. I want to be at the top. Like, if God is really looking for that today, I want to be that, that, that person. And so today, we're going to be in Judges 13. And actually, for the series, it's going to be 13, 14, 15, and 16. And what I encourage you to do is I encourage you to read ahead. It's probably one of the few times that I'll ever say, like, yeah, read the story ahead of me. You're going to get way more than if you get it straight from God's word than if you get it through me, okay, or from me. So Judges 13 all the way to 16 is a whole story of Samson. And you're like, Pastor Alex, I don't like to read. That's okay. Listen to it. You can download the YouVersion app. I was uh, in preparation for the message. I got on the treadmill. I hit Judges 13, started listening to it in less than four miles. And I, trust me, I'm not like a fast runner or anything like that. Less than four miles, less than an hour, I listened to the whole story of Samson. So here's what you're going to, if you do that, if you, if you get into it, here's what you're going to learn from Samson. Samson, his accomplishments were legendary but so were his weaknesses. And if you read the story, if you listen to it, if you're here the next four weeks, what you're gonna learn is that Samson had incredible, he had like an incredible opportunity. He had incredible strength. He had a God-given potential. But when you study his life, you're gonna see that he makes one bad decision after another bad decision after another bad decision and in the end, if you come back the last week, what you're going to see is that Samson self-destructs. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. Samson was an incredibly strong person with a dangerously weak will. Now, I want us to say this. I'm going to say it a couple of times because I want you to retain it. If you don't get anything else, I want you to get this one, okay? Samson was an incredibly strong person with a dangerously weak will. Would you repeat after me? Okay, let's all say it together, but you just repeat after me. Let's all say it together. Ready? Ready? Samson 
No, no, I, I got this wrong the first one, and I think I'm going down the same path. You repeat after me. Samson. Samson. Oh, you go. I mean, after the second time, you figure, you know, I get it, right? Was an incredibly strong person. Was an incredibly strong person. With a dangerously weak will. So we are in Judges chapter 13. What I want to do is I want to give you the, the high altitude view before we read the verses, okay? So imagine that you're on a hot air balloon and you're looking down and the story is unfolding before you, okay? So let me give you the, the burnt eye view of what's happening. The Israelites have been unfaithful to God for years. So God allows the Philistines, they're the enemy, to rule God's people, okay? And for years... They're under the oppression, the Israelites, God's people are under the oppression of the Philistines, okay? Until one day, after years and years of being under their, their ruling, God looks at the Israelites and says, okay, you finally learned your lesson. And what I'm going to do now, I'm going I'm to raise up this man, his name is Samson, and he's going to deliver you from the bondage of the Philistines. Are you tracking everybody with me? All right, so we're all on the same page. So God says, he, um, he, he actually sends a, an angel to talk to this couple who could not conceive. This couple couldn't have a baby. And he says, listen, you're going you're gonna to give birth to a son. His name is going to be Samson, and he's going to have unusual strength. Like he's going to have like his physical strength. He's going to have supernatural strength. Like, like more than you've ever, like you've never seen anything like this. It's supernatural. And God looks at this couple through this angel and he says, but I want your family to live by what's known as the Nazarite vows. Can you say those three words with me? The Nazarite vows, say them out loud. The Nazarite vows. And you're like, what are the Nazarite vows? Well, you may not be familiar with it, but back in that day, like they, they knew exactly what it was. Samson had to make three vows. And what the Nazarite vows were, like, if you were not a priest, if you were not like, like a preacher or like I am, if you were just a, a non-clergy, non-priest, but you wanted God to use you, what you would do is you would make these three vows. And these three vows would separate you from everybody else. These three vows basically would tell everybody else that you are set apart, that you're fully devoted to the Lord, that you are completely surrendered. That's what the three vows would say. And these were the three vows, okay? Number one, um, no alcohol, all right? So no, no margaritas with your Mexican food, no martinis, no coronas at the beach, none of that, all right? You could not have one with, on a romantic day with your wife, like no alcohol whatsoever, okay? So that's the first vow that he had to make. In fact, if you look at it in Numbers chapter 6, let's put that, that verse, uh, it, tells, it tells us all about the Nazarite vows, but here's, uh, here's just a portion of Numbers chapter 6, uh, the, the chapter in verse 3, he says, God says, he must abstain from wine and other fermented drink, okay? So number one, help me out, because this will come out at the end of the message. No what? No alcohol. Very good, very good. Number two, uh, the second vow he had to make is you could not touch a dead thing, okay? So no touching of dead things. Like a, a dead animal, he could not touch it. Why? Because it would be considered unclean, okay? So no, the second vow he had to make, no touching of dead things. And the last one was he could not get a haircut, all right? So he could not 
be like Pastor Alex. I got a fresh haircut this morning, you know. Uh, no haircut for this guy, all right? And you may be like, okay, what is that about? I mean, what's the deal with no haircut? I mean, what, what, what in the world? So let me kind of illustrate it like this. Um, you know how, like, baptism, what's baptism? It's, it's sort of a, a visible, outward expression of a decision you've made in your heart, right? Like, if you give your life to Christ, and basically what you're doing is you, you're saying, Lord, I believe that you died for me, you paid for my sins, you rose from the grave, I believe that in my heart, right? The very next step is baptism. Baptism basically is you telling the world, you're going public, okay? It's, it's a very visible expression of something that happened in your heart. It's kind of like my wedding band, right? Like this basically tells other people, hey, I'm married. It's, a, it's an outward expression. The haircut, the long hair, in the same way was an outward visible sign that this person was set apart to be used by God. Now, I get it. In our culture, it doesn't quite make sense, but in the Old Testament, Everybody knew this, okay? So this wasn't like news to them. They knew, oh, yeah, yeah, the Nazarite vows. Okay, long hair, no alcohol, no touching of dead things. Okay, so with all of that in mind, let's look into Judges chapter 13, verse 24. Judges 13, 24. It says this. When her son was born, she came to Samson... And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. Verse 25. And the Spirit of the Lord, watch this, don't miss it. The Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. And I'll explain that in a moment. While he lived in Mahanadin, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Eshtel. Okay? So when the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in him, this is more than, than when you stir your, your soup, okay? The word here is the word pa'am, pa'am. And it means to, to thrust. It means to, to push something or someone suddenly and violently. All right? So it's very different than, like, I don't know if you've ever heard someone say, man, the, the Spirit of God kind of nudged me and he kind of, you know, just kind of gave me a little prompting. Like, no, no, this is, this is way more than that. This is not you stirring up your, your soup and just kind of having a, no, no, this is a, a, a thrust, a pushing of something or someone suddenly and violently. And so as you read the story, you're going to see that the Spirit of God would come upon Samson and he would destroy like one time he destroyed a thousand philistine men another time he ripped apart a lion with his bare hands the bible says so when the spirit of the lord moved on him it moved in a mighty way in a powerful way like god supernaturally gave him strength physical strength his hand was on his life in a powerful way make everybody make sense like does that give me a thumbs up you're, you're tracking so this wasn't like oh the spirit of the lord just prompted me i'm gonna do this no 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 this is like like immediately like god's mighty hand was on him and he would moved in a powerful way at the end, if you come the last week, what you're going to see is that they tie him up with brand new ropes. And the Bible says that he freed himself as easy as a piece of string when it's burned by fire. He just snapped the ropes from his arms as if they were thread, the Bible says. And yet, with all of that God-given strength, God-given potential... Samson had a dangerously weak will 
they got him in trouble again and again and again. And what you're going to see over the next few weeks, and you're going to see it today, is that Samson betrayed God for a stupid handful of honey. What you're going to see over the next weeks and today is that his temper got the best of him, and he unrighteously kills 30 innocent men. What you're going to see is that Samson pursues the, kind, the wrong kind of women. And at least three times we see him going after this, this woman, going after this other woman, going after this other one. Not just Delilah, but it was multiple times. And what you're going to see is that he's just going down the wrong path. And ultimately, he self-destructs. So what I want to do for the next 18 minutes is I want to give you three attitudes that take a strong person and makes them weak. The first attitude is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Uncontrollable desires. Uncontrollable desires. This is the attitude that says, I want it. I got to have it. I'm going to get it. All right, turn to the person next to you. Play along. Whoever's closest to you. And This is what I want you to say. I want it. I got to have it. I'm going to get it. Come on, you play along. I want it. Tell the person that's closest to you. I've got to have it. I'm going to get it. That was the attitude. Uncontrolled desirables. Judges 14, verse 1. Thank you for playing along. Really appreciate it. One day, when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. Verse 2. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young, hot, smoking Philistine. No, no, that's not on that translation. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just joking. A young, pro probably a beautiful woman, okay? But it doesn't say hot smoking, okay? I just added that. A young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. Watch, watch what it says. I want, I want her. I want to marry her. And then he says something interesting. Get her for me. I know we're not used to that in our culture today. But go after her. Get her for me. I want her. I'm going to get her. Like she's mine, all right? What's Samson doing? Several things. Now, it's not immediate when you look at the text, but, but if you study a little bit, you'll, you'll learn it. Samson is from a place called Zorah. And what he's doing is actually leaving Zorah, his hometown, and he's traveling all the way to Timnah. Timnah is enemy territory. Did you know that? And so what Samson is doing is he's leaving his, the safety of his hometown, and he's traveling all the way to, into enemy territory. He's leaving his friends at home, and he's putting himself in a dangerous place. He sees this woman, and if, if, you, if you read the verses, you would agree with me. She... Um, by the way, she's forbidden for him because God has said, hey, I don't want you to marry anybody that doesn't worship me, which kind of makes sense. He goes into enemy territory. He sees this woman, and then he says, I want her, and I want her now. Uncontrollable desires. And all of a sudden, he forgets. He throws common sense out the door. 
He forgets about what God has said to him. He forgets about what mom and dad have taught him. He forgets about what's right, whether it's wise for him to go into enemy territory. Like he forgets anything that, that has to do with common, just rational thinking goes out the window. And all he can think is about this, this lady. And this is a prime example of a strong person who's got a very weak will. I have known strong leaders at work, very aggressive, type A personalities. They're go-getters. They conquer. They move up the corporate ladder, and they get home, and they're very passive. They're very hands-off. They don't lead their spouses, they don't lead their children. It's just like kind of a, at work, man, they're into it. They I mean they get up early, they they plan, they charge ahead. When it comes to home, it's like totally relaxed. I, I've seen I've seen people who are committed to their bodies. Man, and you look up to them and it's so inspiring. Like they are disciplined. They don't ever have a dessert. You know, they're eating like everything green all the time. I mean, you look at them and it's like, man, I wish I was that disciplined. And it could be anything, right? I'm just picking on, on maybe if you work out or whatever, but it could be people who are disciplined with their the, a hobby or their finances. And, and they're, they're like, you look at them and it's like, man, I want to be like that person. But then it come, when it comes to being committed to reading three Bible verses a day, they're like, Pfft. And so Samson was an example of an incredibly strong person with a dangerously weak will. And the question today is, how about you? And I'm not pointing fingers in that direction because I've been looking at this message and the fingers have been pointed in this direction. Are there any uncontrollable desires in your life that without me mentioning them, I don't have to say them, without me making you feel guilty, you know in your heart, man, this thing right here, I got to get a handle on, on this thing because if I continue down this path, it's not healthy mentally, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. Are there any uncontrollable desires in your life that you may say today, you know what? I gotta, I gotta, gotta work this out a little bit. I gotta readjust a little bit. Three attitudes that take strong people, make them weak. This is one of them. Uncontrollable desires. Here's the second one. A sense of entitlement. A sense of entitlement. Write that down if you're taking notes. So not only do I want it, but I believe I deserve it. Have you ever heard someone say that? Man, I, um, I worked hard for it. I deserve it. You know, I earned it. I've said it myself sometimes, right? Is that, that, that attitude of like, man, I, like, I'm entitled to it. Like, I've been slaving away. I've earned it. Look at all that I've done. It's my right. And, and so Samson, let me kind of sort of advance the story. He's on his way to see this lady that he had supposedly fallen in love with. Okay, so he's, he's on his way to see her, and the Bible says that a lion jumps out of nowhere and attacks him, okay? And I wonder if that was sort of God's sign to slow him down because he was heading down the wrong path. So he's going to see this lady that he had fallen in love with. A lion comes and attacks him. The Bible says that Samson grabs this lion and rips him apart with his bare hands. And then you look in verse 8, and it says this. Sometime later, 
And we don't know uh, the time frame. We don't know if it was a week later, three months later, uh, a year later. All the Bible says is sometime later. It may have been, I don't know, six months or whatever. What we do know is that it was after the lion incident, and it was after he had seen her for the first time. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, watch this, don't miss it, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. Now, what did, what did the Bible say he did? He turned what? He turned what? Help me out. One more time. He turned what? Aside. This is what we do when, we're, when we get off track, when we're not following the Lord. It happens to all of us. So if you feel like, oh man, I'm guilty. Like, yeah, me too. Okay, guilty of all charges. When we're not following the Lord, when our focus is off, what do we do? We get sidetracked. It happens to all of us. Samson, it says, he turned aside just to look. He just want to look, just one look, right? He wants to look at the lion's carcass. And in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. Verse 9, he scooped out the honey with his bare hands and ate as he went along. Kind of gross, if you ask me. Okay. But whatever. All right. I'm not going to get into, I'm not going to become, I'm going to describe that too much because I know it's right before lunchtime, right? So, but he scooped out some honey with his bare hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some and they too ate it. But he did not tell them, watch this, but he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Now, why in the world would he not say anything to his parents? You remember the vow? Remember the three vows? What were they? No alcohol, no haircut, and what was the last one? No touching of what? Of dead things. And so he's like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna touch, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell them where I got the honey. And so the Bible says that he turned aside. He essentially, think about it. He's on his way to marry his bride, right? He puts her on hold. He puts on hold the wedding ceremony, right? That's what he's doing. Because he wants to go look at this lion's carcass that he had killed. And he, and he wants some of that honey. And by doing that, not only does he dishonor his bride, but he dishonors his God because he had made the vow. I will not touch. I'm going to be set aside. I'm going to be dedicated unto the Lord. And the Nazarite vow says I should not touch anything that's dead. Now let me ask you a question. Who would be stupid enough to betray God for a handful of honey? Think about that for a moment. Who would be stupid enough just for a handful of honey? Who would betray God? The same God who's given you the strength to kill the lion, right? And I'll tell you the answer. Any one of us who has a sense of entitlement. Because that's what essentially what it is. Anybody that says, I want it, got to have it, I'm going to get it, I deserve it, I've earned it. So, so here's how it happens. Let me kind of bring it, make it as practical as I can make it, okay? Here's what we say. Man, I want a drink. And I, if you know me, you know that I'm not like one of those pastors, no drink, no, no, nothing against 
drinking in moderation. But here's what, how this plays out for a lot of us. And I just want to drink. And, and, and one beer turns into two. One cup turns into three. And then, then before you know it, it's the bottle. And then one day it turns into a couple of days. Oh, man, I want it. I've worked hard. I deserve it. I'm stressed out. Look at my day. And then you, you say, you know what? I'm not just going to go, you know, with a, you know, one. I'm just going to go after something else. And you begin to experiment. And it's not one peel. It's not two peels. But now you're, you're pushing the limits. And before you know it, here's what happens. Here's what happens. Before you know it, you've, done, you've gone down a path and you look at your life and that substance has control over you. Now, you know I'm telling you the truth. And again, no judgment coming from me. Okay? Here's how it happens. Man, I won that boat. And I can say boat because I had a boat. Okay? I won that thing. I'm going to get it. I deserve it. I work hard for my money. You know, look at all the years. And look, at, and look at all I do for the Lord. I shall have a boat. I want that car. I like the smell of a new car. Any of you guys like the smell of a new car? Okay, we got one. Thank you, brother. Appreciate the honesty. Nobody else here. It's just you and me struggling, you know. I want, I want, I want the purse. I want the extravagant vacation. I want you fill in the blank, right? I want the expensive shoes, Man, look at my life. I, I mean, I want it. I deserve it. You know, I can make the payments. And before you know it, you find yourself in a sea of debt. Three attitudes that make strong people weak. Uncontrollable desires, a sense of entitlement, and the last one is verse 10. Look at, look at verse 10 with me. It says this. Now his father went down to see the woman, and there Samson held a feast. Would you say that word with me? Say the word feast. Say it with enthusiasm. Say feast. feast. That's, that's what I like. So there, Samson holds a, he, this feast. As, it says, as was customary for young men. So here's the third attitude. It's unconfessed pride. Unconfessed pride. So when you look at this verse, at, at first glance, it doesn't really seem like he's doing anything wrong, right? He's just throwing a, a bachelor party. He's getting married, right? Like, no, not a big deal. Just throwing a party together. It even says it was the custom of the day. Not a big deal. Now, when you dig in and you study what this word means in the Hebrew, is the word mishte, mishte. Okay, it's the word feast. Literally means an occasion for drinking. That's what the word means. It actually shows up in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, when Daniel said that he would not have any of the king's wine. Remember that verse? Like it says that in Daniel 1, 8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Same word. So what's going on here? Remember the vows? No haircut. No touching of dead things and no alcohol. What does Mr. Strongman do? Mr. Strongman throws the biggest party with lots and lots of temptations for him to be tempted. Why? Because he thinks, I'm strong. I got it. I got what it takes. I deserve it. I can handle it. I'm getting married. And when you, when, what, what it bo all boils down to, it's pride. I don't go to church. I don't need to. I read the Bible. I can handle life without other people in my life helping me. 
You know, I don't need this, X, Y, Z. I can handle it. I don't need to be, life group, I don't have time for a life group. You know, I can, like, no, you don't have time not to be a part of a group of people who are gonna love you and pray for you and be there for you. And so as we kind of wrap up, I'm gonna ask our worship team to get in place. But you may ask, okay, so what happens to Samson? What happens to, like, what's the end of the story? And if you're here until the last week, what you're gonna see in, in week four is that perhaps the strongest man who's ever lived who from the moment that he was born, from, the mo- from birth, had the hand of God on him, undeniable. What you're going to see is that the strongest man, he's, the, God's spirit was on him. You're going to see him, week number four, with his eyes gouged out. Nothing but dark sockets. That's what you're going to see. The man of God who could have made, he had everything that he needed. Imagine if God said to you today, I'm gonna give you a special gift. It's like your superpower. And you can do anything in the world, right? That's what Samson had. And what you're gonna see on week four is that this man who had so much potential to make such a big difference for the Lord, you're gonna see him with his eyes gouged out only nothing but dark sockets. And you're going to see him in front of about 3,000 of his enemies in a Colosseum. And there, he's the entertainment of the day. And they're mocking him. And they're throwing things at him. And they're making fun of him. And this is exactly what uncontrollable desires, a sense of entitlement, and a sense of pride can do to anybody, any one of us who could potentially make a difference but gives in to those three attitudes. No, no one is exempt. So, uh, so what's, what's the solution, right? Like you want to know what's the antidote, right? Because if not, it's kind of, a, kind of a doomsday kind of message, right? Well, let me give you three attitudes. We've been talking about three attitudes that make a st- strong person weak. Let me flip it. Okay, let me give you three attitudes that will take a weak person, that will make a weak person strong. Very easy, and I'm almost done. Two minutes. It's the attitude that says, I want God. Instead of, I want this, I want that, I want whatever. Like, I deserve, no, no, it's the attitude that says, God, more than anything else in my life, I want you. I'm running after you, Lord. It's the attitude that says, I deserve death. Now, hear me out. Because of God's holiness and because of our sinfulness, we're separated from Him. And the bridge to Him, the Bible says, is His Son, Jesus Christ. He's the mediator. If If you read in Romans, it says the wages of sin is death. Now, get my heart here, okay? So really, apart from God, biblically speaking, what I deserve, the punishment is death. And so instead of saying, I deserve this or I deserve that, three attitudes that make weak people strong say, I want God, I deserve death, and last, I can't handle anything on my own. Apart from God, the truth is, 
Lord, when I'm on my own, just you and I, like you know, like I may be fooling everybody, but the truth is, Lord, I need you. I can't, I don't know how to leave my family on my own. I don't know how to do the finances on my own. I don't know how to do life on my own. God, without you, the truth is, I'm lost. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, it's between you and the Lord. My hope is that, and I hope I communicated it the right way, but in a nutshell, what I've been trying to say over the last 25, 30 minutes is this. With God's power, no matter what you've been through, you can be transformed. Regardless of the baggage, with God's power in your life, you can be that man of courage, that woman of honor. You can be that person that stands up for those, that defends those who are defenseless. With God's power, you can be a godly husband, a godly wife. You can be a godly dad. Maybe you're divorced. So what? God can cover the mistakes of the past. With God's power, you can make a difference. But only if you stop trying to be strong in your own strength. Because here's the deal. Your spiritual enemy, Satan, loves to make people, loves to make strong people weak. But what I love about our Savior is that he came to make weak people strong. If you read the Bible, it's all over. It says, it says that our God is with us. So it's a Bible verse. Where two or more gathering together, I'm, my presence is there with them. If you read God's word, you see that, that it says that, that God is for us. He's not just with us, he's for us. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world. For you, it's for you. God is with you. He's for you. It, it, it says he's in you. On your own, you and I were lost. With him, that's where we have victory. The enemy, he wants to take you out. He wants you to th cause you to waste your God-given potential. You have potential for greatness. Please receive it. Please accept it in your heart. The enemy wants to say, no, 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 look at what you've done. And he says, shame on you. Jesus says, shame off you. But you can't do it on your own strength. And so instead of saying, I want it, I deserve it, I can handle it, how about changing your verbiage? How about saying, I want you, God. I need you, God. I need your strength. I need your daily power. I need your spirit to convict me. God, when I sin, when I go off path, God, I need you to correct me, God. I want more of you. I need you to lead me in righteousness. I can't do this on my own. God, help me. Help me, God. I need you. Father, I believe that you understand the attitude of our hearts at this very moment. God, do your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.